Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Cody and the newly married Franklin. The newlywed. <laughs> the newlywed. Oh, it's so good to be back. What yeah. is it, three weeks now? Yeah, it's been I a while. Couldn't record that one night and now uh, then we got married. Didn't record that week and then we went on our honeymoon. That was exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't we record? We should have recorded the day before he got married. That would have been fun. I would have been absent. <laughs> you can't make time for us no not like that i was too busy getting a good old face rub face shave i mean you that's know, what i heard you get the hot lath or hot lathe whatever they call it and then that straight blade razor oh, man yeah. that's the best feeling nice shout out to ken's cuts <laughs> <laughs> he he cut my hair for that it was clutch that's sweet <laughs> yeah yeah yep. how you doing cody i'm doing good you good doing real good are you married too I am not. No, no, I didn't get married again. So no, he I was didn't. part of the wedding. I was. A yeah, he was. Part. It was, was good cool. wedding. Yeah, it was a good wedding. Your wedding was nice. Thank you. Yeah, but for Matthew, so we are continuing our work through the Gospel of Matthew and specifically the Sermon on the Mount. I think it was the last episode. We went through chapter. Uh, well, we went through verse fifteen of chapter six. We talked about praying, and then specifically the Lord's Prayer. And in this uh, episode, we're going to talk about, uh, well, verses 16 through the end of the chapter in chapter 6, we're going to talk fasting, uh, treasures on earth or in heaven, and then worrying or anxiety. Um, So let's kick off in verse 16. I'll pull up in the NIV here. Jesus says in verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What are you guys seeing in there? What's Jesus saying? So instantly I open my eyes up to what does he mean by disfiguring his face? I mean, I wrestled throughout high school and uh, a semester in college. And when I think of fasting, I think of not eating for a period of time, like Jesus did, 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, Not to that extent, but when I think of disfiguring your face, when you're going through those times, your your skin is dry. Um, Jesus talks about putting oil on your head. That's because you're malnourished. Your hair is going to get super uh, brushy and Mm -hmm. uh, just, there's a word for it. It starts with an S. I can't think of that. Um, But it's just like, it's coarse uh, that's not the word but it's just coarse it's strong yeah um so it makes sense when he says put oil on your head uh that way people can't notice that you're fasting but what does he mean by disfigure their faces uh, that's what yeah i think it's the the word disfigure or that word yeah. choice it's just kind of like a translation thing mm-hmm. um right like when you're fasting and going through that right it's not easy and i think what jesus is referring here is not necessarily like actually disfiguring, mm-hmm. right? But more of like that you're not going to change your appearance to show that you're fasting, right? You know what I mean? Like when when you're you want to maintain that that appearance outwardly of being strong and everything is good, not that you know what I mean? Not, yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're not like the purpose of you doing this, right? Is is not supposed to be 
hey guys, look at me, I'm fasting. It's to bring glory to God who is unseen and is your father. And so you're doing it internally to receive something from him. And so you're going to try and attempt to maintain your outward appearance or how people see you, hence the oil, because you're not doing it for approval or for anything other than God. And so Jesus is saying, when you fast, don't look sad. Don't look down and depressed and in the dumps because you're fasting. Yep, you might be going through something that is temporarily inconveniencing or not easy, but don't use that as a reason to be like, hey guys, look at me. And I think that's what he means here and with that word like i said i think it's more of a translation thing i don't know i didn't look at like esv or king james to see what word they used yeah so i just looked that up it looks like most of the major english translations well okay so the niv esv both say disfigure um the new living translation says for they try to look miserable and disheveled. Yeah, there it is. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Totally, yeah, totally makes sense. Or like, I'd be, yeah, I'd be curious what the King James says as well. Yeah. Just because there was, I mean, there's some verses later on in Matthew that yeah. NIV and ESV said something, and I pulled up the King James, and it was like, oh. That's, in that. That makes so much more sense because mm, yeah. it, King James, I think, is a more, or is an older version of the word for word mm-hmm. translation or whatever than thought. And so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's actual, like, disfigure. Like, we would think of disfigure as in, like, I'm going to cut my face or change my outward appearance, manipulate it. I think it means, like, like if you're going through a struggle, like, you scrunch your face up or you look sad all the time, you're, you're not smiling, you're, you, that's disfiguring your face. You're, you're making it do something that's not necessarily happening to you. And I think that's part of what Jesus is saying. Look, they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Their faces don't look like that because they're fasting. They're putting on a show. They're, yeah, they're putting on a show. And it says earlier in that verse, it says in the other translation, so the NIV says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. ESV says, do not look gloomy. New Living Translation says, don't make it obvious. Um, don't be gloomy other, you know, so it's down that line of your, your play acting, you're trying to get a response from somebody like we saw earlier about praying on the street corner. Jesus says, go pray in your closet, shut the door so that nobody can see you. They're praying on the street corner so that people can praise them and glorify them. And I think it's the same thing here. They're fasting and they're looking gloomy. They're disfiguring their faces so that people will come to them. Well, it says, Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted in the end. Like you said, yep. same thing as the praying. Like right. their motivation for doing it is, you know, not necessarily for the Father, right? But for the reward that they get here of recognition of, oh, he's fasting, right? Uh, one thing that came to mind or that I thought of with this is, can you can you confuse this idea that Jesus is presenting here, of you know, not looking somber, not looking sad, trying to you know maintain. Your, your appearance and composure as much as possible with, well, isn't that just being fake? Because you're acting a way that you don't really feel. If Jesus wasn't specific into what he's talking about, then I would say, okay, we can maybe go down that, ro- that route. Mm-hmm. But here, it seems like it's pretty plain that he's talking about fasting in particular. And, and it seems what he's saying is not make a show so that you can deceive people but he's, he's comparing that with what the hypocrites do. And again, like we 
talked about in a previous episode, people would say the hypocritical thing to do is to do something to get a reward from someone, Mm -hmm. to give to the needy, to get a reward. And I said on that episode, um, no, that's a misunderstanding. What Jesus actually says is that it's hypocritical if you're doing something not to get a reward from your father. You should want the reward from your father. And I think it's the same sort of thing here. He says at the the very end of verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you for your fasting. It's still that same idea of like, you're not being fake in in your glorifying God through fasting because you're you're doing it not out of seeking reward from others. Yeah, exactly. Your your motivation for doing it again is towards the father. And so is it fake or is it selfish to do that? Right. No. Right. Because going back to the ask yourself why you're doing it. Well, it's to bring glory to God. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not anything else and in that glory to God. Like Jesus says, your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Right. So you're doing it for the reward that the father's going to give you and bring glory to him. Right. And that, yeah, thank you. And and the last thing I was going to say was, and the way to ensure that you don't get a reward from other people is to make sure they don't know you're fasting. Is in secret. Yeah. Just like the giving to the needy. Exactly. Doing it in secret. Yep. And the way to make sure that it stays secret is to, um, well, clean yourself up. Mm-hmm. Put anoint your head, wash your face, so that people won't be able to tell. Yep. Don't don't disfigure your face. Put take a shower, like <laughs> you know, like not that you wouldn't be taking a shower, but but take whatever steps are necessary. Like when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, "Oh man, we're thinking about having this for dinner," and you go, "Geez, I'm dying for food. I haven't." Well, that's that's disfiguring your face. Mm-hmm. You're making a show of it. You should say, well, I don't know what you should say in that situation, but whatever you do, it should be in the pursuit of making sure they don't know that you're fasting. Because if they know, then the chance is they're going to go, oh man, that's. I wish I could fast like you. And then what happens inside of us, we go, oh, now, mm-hmm. boom, there's your reward. You just got what you wanted. The word that comes to mind for me is integrity. Mm-hmm. Like maintaining that integrity to yourself and to God. Yeah, you know, like you're not you're not breaking figure to show or do any of that. It's like exactly you know, hold the line. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. I mean, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So then he he's gonna keep going, and he says, "Whoops, I keep going in the wrong translation." So the same with the NIV. So then he says, "Do not store up uh, for yourselves treasures on earth." where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think it would be a good idea if we stopped there. So I agree. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So storing up treasure on earth or in heaven, Jesus seems to be saying, um, you store up treasure on earth, it's going to be wasted away. In heaven, it's going to be forever. Forever. Eternal. Yeah. yeah. Why talk about this? What's the why? What do we, what's the point? Um, so I think it, it goes back to that theme of what's motivating you. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of like the treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven. Uh, and it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And so whatever is motivating you, that's where you're going to be drawn towards. And so if, you know, greed, bad intentions, money, like that is where you're being drawn to, your heart's not going to be with Jesus. Yeah. It may have a desire in the background to be with Jesus and you might be being pulled towards that. But if you're focused on treasures of earth, that's, that's where you're ultimately going to be. Right. And, and so 
that internal struggle or battle that your confliction that's going to go on it's not going to go away you're going to have to work through it but figuring out where you are on that spectrum of treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven and saying okay what do i really want if it's treasures on earth then that's your choice it's going to lead to death and destruction but if you choose treasures in heaven that's where your heart's going to be and you're going to be continually drawn to that and then those treasures it's not like on earth where they're going to get faded they're not going to wear down they're not going to break and need repairs they're going to they're going to be eternal and so it's yeah i think it's that idea and jesus is is trying to emphasize that of yep things things on earth might be helpful they might be cool they might bring you temporary pleasure but ultimately don't don't put all your eggs in that basket of treasures on earth because it's gonna be here today and gone tomorrow it's a pretty amazing thing to be able to have something concrete that you can look at and know where your heart is. And I say your heart, like my heart in particular, because I don't, although I'm concerned for you guys, I don't think it's my responsibility to check what you're doing all the time. I need to check myself first. So I look at my life and see where am I storing things up. And it's just a nice thing to be able to say, okay, here's something tangible that you can that will reveal what your where your heart is located based on how your life is set up now what things are important to you now is that in relation to the kingdom of god or is that outside of relationship with the kingdom of god and if it's outside then it's probably treasures of earth if it's inside then well and then that should tell you something if all of your treasures are here for the now and then you don't get them later or they're going to fall apart, then that should make us wonder if our hope is in that as well. And if your hope is in that, then man, you're, um, well, like you said, you can hope in that if you want, but that's life and peace is in the kingdom of God and that's chaos and destruction and, and things like that on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think like the, the counter argument or pushback to that would be right. Like, well, is Jesus saying, things on earth are bad to have. And it's like, where does he say that? Right. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. You know what I mean? He's not saying that it's bad to accumulate things. It's back to that conversation we had with Gary. How much are you giving your life to them? Right. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if you're using those things that you've accumulated that are temporary and of this earth to bring glory to God, well, I mean, you're using a temporary thing that isn't going to be eternal and a treasure in heaven to bring glory to God. Can you count that as bad you know what i mean or is that is that thing or whatever it is on earth going to lead to death and destruction right no i mean not if you're using it to bring life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so then i think about that and i've always wanted a side-by-side mm-hmm. you know it, it's a want you the know classic side-by-side conversation you know <laughs> it's not a need but eventually it'd be nice to have you know it be fun to go out and ride a little bit sometimes and when i think about that it's like i'm not working i'm not like i'm not working for that i'm not like i'm not going to work every day just so i can buy a side by side and i think that's the difference Mm -hmm. like some people are like oh well i'm gonna take out a loan i'm gonna get this nice truck then i'm gonna get this nice side by side because i've always wanted a side by side yeah and i think that's kind of where you not necessarily have to draw the line, but that's where you kind of have to evaluate what the purpose of what you're doing is. Right. Like, because then you're going into debt and we all know that 
when you go into debt, you're a slave to your debtor and we're not called to be slaves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just, that's always my, my first thought when it comes to, uh, fitting a camel through the eye of a needle. And, um, this, this verse, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth because I mean, Jesus isn't calling us and telling us, Hey, you can't have nice things. Right. Because we all know it side by side. This is never a need. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, look at them things now. What do you need a cannon one right. thousand for <laughs> to have fun? Right. You know, and, right. and they would be fun, but yeah. th- there's just a evaluation you mm-hmm. have to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, this is the Sermon on the Mount, which is not an instruction list for do this and don't do that. It is a, a description of the life in the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom, this is how life in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God looks. And it looks like people who have stored up treasure in heaven, not on earth. I don't think that we ought to take this principle and say, okay, that means you can't own a side-by-side, but it means you can own a four-by-four pickup because one of those is more helpful than the other. Or you you can own a side-by-side, but you can't have a motorcycle at the same time. you got to pick. Have a side-by-side if you want. But be constantly analyzing and checking to see if... Um, you are living for here so much that the kingdom of God is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's what you were saying. I just wanted to right, reiterate yeah. that. And, yeah. yeah. So then he goes on, and the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one, I just think it's neat how Jesus uses light and darkness to explain that. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a good, a good analogy and a good vivid imagery of that concept of what he's talking about. So why do you think he says the eye is the lamp of the body? What's up with that? Why, do you, why are our eyes like lamps? Because the lamp illuminates darkness and makes it so that you can see the thing things around like the lamp shines a light down a path so that you can walk down that path right that's the point of a lamp yep so in effect your eye is the thing that uh, whatever you look at or continue to look at or it's an analogy for wanting a certain thing that your eye when it catches something that's the thing that you're going to go for like a lamp you set up in front of you and it marks out the path so that you can walk down and get to wherever you want to go. And I think Jesus is saying that's how your eyes function. They look around at the world around them and sometimes they catch certain things and now your life is oriented toward that thing. You're going to do whatever it takes to get it, whether it be a job or marriage or starting a church or, or whatever. But your eye is the lamp of your body. It is the thing which propels, which doesn't propel you. It it shows the way to go by marking out the destination. I need it to illuminate that path so that I can get that thing. This section has always been a little odd to me because I don't understand, or I didn't understand why Jesus would talk about this right after treasures on earth or in heaven. But now it makes perfect sense to me that, well, of course, mm-hmm. your, your treasures are things that you've looked at and gazed upon and, and held, beheld. And Jesus is saying, well, sometimes you have treasures in heaven and sometimes you have them on earth. And he's saying, by the way, 
let's let's remember where that's coming from. It's what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. And your eye is what is going to motivate or, or show the way for, for you to move forward. Well, yeah, and he says if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It just it goes back to that. You have your what you see and what you do, the, the both sides of it, your actions and your thoughts. And, you know, if your actions or your thoughts where your eyes are leading you lead you to light, then what you do and who you are and what you become is also full of light. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, full of light. Not. That's why it's so important for us and, and other people. Like Job, he says he had made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon, can't remember the exact verse, but another woman or a virgin or something like that. That's the, that's the promise he made with his eyes, that he would not do that. And Jesus here is saying something similar, but making the point that, this is a serious thing in the kingdom of God that what you look at, you become. And you're either going to become light or you're going to become darkness. And if your eye is full of darkness or it's looking at, like that's what, that's what you have. You, you look at darkness long enough, you're going to become darkness. You look at light long enough and you're going to become light. Yeah, and, the, and like he says, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Mm-hmm. I think of this idea of like you're in a, in a cave, yeah. right? And when you have a torch, the cave's not so bad. Right. And is it dark beyond the, the light that you can see? Yeah, but it's not that dark. Right. Seems like you can kind of make out what's beyond it. But without that torch... You can't see your hand in front of your face. Right. And it's like, it's that imagery of like, how great is that darkness? It's like, your hand's two inches in front of your eyes and you can't see it. Right. That's how much the darkness controls you and and takes over Mm -hmm. if you allow it and give life to it. Yeah. Just like the light illuminating whatever darkness it comes into, darkness doesn't have a chance. I mean, the light is going to illuminate the darkness. Conversely, when the light is snuffed out, the darkness folds in on it immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, wherever the light isn't there, there's darkness. Yep. And you know, your cave point is good. So then he says, uh, don't serve two masters, or no one can. Well, you read it a minute ago. So you're going to either hate one or love the other, and then it comes back to money. <laughs> Therefore, or you, know, you cannot serve both God and money, which I think makes sense, but man, is that a difficult way to live sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it, it's when I'm reading that, he says, says, hate one and love the other. And then um, devoted to one, despise the other. Mm-hmm. First glance seems redundant. Okay. Like, why does he say it? I mean, similar thing mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, hate, what's that mean? Love, what's that mean? Devoted and, and despise. And it gets me back to that uh, theme of Jesus. Like you have your, your thoughts and your actions, right? And like, to me, that's what hate and love and devoted and spies speak to. One speaks to thoughts and one speaks to actions because love and hate is that feeling and devoted despise would be that action. Right. Yep. And so it was like first glance, it was like, eh. He just says basically the same thing twice. <laughs> right. It doesn't, not a whole lot of thought or meaning to it. But then going through like we have been, and looking at how much Jesus is speaking to that idea or that theme of you know, your thoughts, your thoughts and your actions and your thoughts lead to the actions. Right. And if you give yourself healthy thoughts, life-giving thoughts, then you have life-giving actions. Well, same thing here. Like you can't serve two. Right after the, the treasures in heaven 
conversation, right after the fasting conversation, right? The the eye and the, the lamp, like all that. It's like, well, you have one and you have the other. Right. And it's your choice. Right. But can't do both. Right. It, it's kind of like the scale of justice. That's what I think of. It's like, mm. yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. One's always going to outweigh the other. And it's kind of, I mean, bad analogy, I guess. Or I could have just said a scale with two sides <laughs> on it. <laughs> no, but, but we get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah one's always going to outweigh the other mm-hmm. in the way that we work. Yeah. Right. Paul says in Romans 8 that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That they have they've set their minds there because they're I mean it's a both and type of thing there. What you think about, what you yeah, what you want you're gonna become. And then what you do, you're gonna think about all the more. Mm-hmm. And it's like the snowball effect mm-hmm. uh cycle that mm-hmm. you just keep going back to the thing that le- led to death. Back yep. to the thing that led to death. Back to the and it's like you get in the cycle until something changes. Well, not only the thing that brought us to death, but sometimes I think like it's easy for us to just live for our jobs as well mm-hmm. or live for the hobbies that we do. It's easier to just serve that and give up what we were doing for God, which is uh, Gary talked about that with, with the dogs. Um, mm-hmm. he, he had devoted so much time to the dogs and then wasn't going to church as much and kind of straight away a little bit i guess i guess you could say i don't i don't want to be throwing stones or anything but right. it's kind of what it sounded like mm-hmm. but yeah the word that i came to mind as you're describing that right is like you're living life to maintain right like you're just you're in this mundane lifestyle right where it's just yep i'm doing this because i have to right mm-hmm. and it's like did you wake up that day thank thank the lord above right mm-hmm. the fact that you woke up right you know what i mean and like for a while like when i was after I'd walked away from the church and started getting back in to it and growing in my faith, it was like, and I still pray every morning, but for me, a way to really like hammer down and get into that mindset of like being thankful was every morning I woke up and I said, thank you God for another day. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, because it's, it's the truth, right? Like we woke up, why, what are we going to live for? Right. Right. Why Why would we live for anything other than God? Because like, it's just a perspective thing of like, are we maintaining our lifestyle because we want to, to flex, to do whatever, or are we doing it for, for God? Right. Yeah. So Jesus keeps going with a big therefore in verse 25 after he says, you can't serve uh, God and money at the same time. Therefore, I tell you, uh, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Um, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away food in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than those birds? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? Sometimes it feels like we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like it, that's not the truth. Yeah, nobody can. Mm-mm. So all the worry, that all the anxiety, all the worry, it's it's not the same thing as saying, uh, hey, like, quit it. Right. Quit being anxious Snap and quit worrying. It. No. Mm-hmm. It's saying, let's, okay, you're anxious right now. Okay. Let's understand what your anxiety is going to help you with. It's not going to add time to your life. That's the that's the main thing that Jesus is saying here. The the I mean, our our times are set by God. Our worrying about that will do nothing for it. So then, therefore, we start asking the question, is it profitable for me to worry about this thing that worry has no effect on? 
it's not. And, and he uses a few examples. So he says, look at the birds. They, they don't even store up food for themselves, but they're fed by God. And you are worth more than, than a number of those birds. Like there's no comparison. You're made in the image of God. Those birds are not. You're called to rule over those birds actually. So of course he's going to uh, care for you. And when I think about this, the objection that I'm always trying to run that through my head, what could somebody say back? Somebody could say, well, not everybody in the world has food to eat right now. Some people are going to go to bed hungry tonight. And some people will probably, not probably, there will be people who will die today believing in Jesus, not having enough food to eat. So somebody could say, well, what about them? God's feeding birds, but he doesn't feed them. So first I would say, okay, I see what you're saying. It, it looks like Jesus is saying for those that are God's, because he feeds the birds, he will certainly feed them. Don't think that's what he's saying. I think that it's the care that God has for both. You are worth more than many birds. God didn't, Jesus didn't die for birds to redeem them. He died for people that whoever believes in him would be redeemed. He's cared for you much more than so much more than birds who don't have a clue about who God is or what he's doing for them and yet he still feeds them. And that's uh so even this even the person who is going to bed tonight without food can trust in God that ultimately they're his if they're trusting in them. And I think that that's part of what this passage points to. Yeah. And like when he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? For me, it speaks to that theme of like God's the one in control, not us. Our lives are on his timing, not ours. In the same way, if he wakes you up in the morning, yep. then you woke up. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't, then you didn't know it right. because you didn't wake up <laughs> you didn't in the wake morning up, and you're right. with the Lord. And so. and so to those people that say, well, yeah, there's people that go hungry and they die. Yep. Is that sad? Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Right. But do we understand God's timing? Right. Because it's his timing. It's not ours. And so can we mourn the loss of them? Absolutely. Do we? Yeah. But it, at the end of the day, it's God's timing. And may his will be done on earth right. as it is in heaven. Right. And and so for us, it's, it's sad on earth or we might mourn it. But if we know and believe that they were a believer in Jesus Christ, like we can celebrate the fact that they're with him. Right. And they, you know what I mean? And so one, they're no longer suffering. Right. Your light and momentary afflictions are preparing for you in eternal glory beyond all comparison. That's what Paul says. Yep. So should the church be going up? Uh, we don't need to worry about feeding anybody because if you die, eh, it's okay. Right. Jesus has saved you. No, the church is right now. There are people giving their lives to bring the gospel to people and to bring food to people. People will give their lives today to give somebody food that doesn't have it. That's what the church is called to do is to care for one another. So we do that. Mm -hmm. But to say that if people go hungry, that means God doesn't, God doesn't care about them. That that's a misappropriation of this verse. Yeah. That's it taking it out of context and not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just going to bounce this idea off you guys. So what if we revert back to Matthew six twenty four, the one we were just in? So no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then let's change money with any other thing out there. You cannot serve both God and food or God and time or God and 
your work, your wife, so your wife, your kids. Right. So the the fact that unfortunately some people are not eating today, but they can serve God yeah. still is. I mean, it's it hurts to say that because I mean, in the state that I'm in right now, fortunately I have food to eat. Right. You know, but hopefully, if I was in that in that situation, it would be. You cannot serve both God and food. Like God is going to bless me with food when like bless me with the ability to prepare myself for food or Mm -hmm. scavenge for food. Like it's, it's the idea that God is going to provide you with what is according to his will. Right. Yeah. And the re, oh, sorry. You go Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say the reason that we talk about it now and it can feel uncomfortable is we don't know what's going to happen to any three of us tomorrow. Right. So we prepare our theology today for what happens in the future. We don't know if any one of us are going to come to the point where we don't have food to eat. But if we were, it's because of the work that we did today on April 23rd, 2021, settling it in our mind that God cares for us so that when we don't have food to eat, if that happens, our response isn't God doesn't care for me. Mm -hmm. We say what Franklin had just talked about. We run through the thing and say, you can't jump to God doesn't care about me because Jesus says that he does. So that's got to be off the table. And yeah, we, it's important to talk about the uncomfortable things now in, in part so that we're ready when those uncomfortable things happen to us later. Yeah, definitely. Something that came to mind as you were talking through this, right? Is like, so I think of like anxiety and depression and I wouldn't call it symptoms, but um, I don't know what the word is. I'm like, Side effects? No, um, like actual like anxiety or depression that someone mm-hmm. would go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's acknowledging that anxiety is real. He's right. not saying it's not. And so people have anxiety mm-hmm. and not that I don't, I don't want to be heard saying anxiety is okay, but I'm also not seeing Jesus say like, man, just forget about it. Right. Like, man, just get over it. Right. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Man, get over it. Right. Like I, I'm not hearing Jesus say that here. And so I think like, I think of myself and I'm like, it's easy for a Christian to be like, eh, just get over it. You got faith. Right. Where's your faith? God, isn't God going to provide or protect you tomorrow? Yeah. But there's still times. And mm-hmm. so, again, it's it as you were saying, it, it hit me. And it was like, oh, Jesus isn't, it, it, he is acknowledging that anxiety is real. And yeah, because he's talking about it. He's talking about it. He wouldn't it. talk about it if it's not a real thing. Right. But at the same time, he's also talking about how to work through it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And to you can't have one without the other. Right. Because Jesus isn't going to just be like, eh, here it is, Bo, figure it out yourself. Right. He's going to tell us, okay, what is it? How do we live in the, the kingdom when there's things like that? And so that's right. It's, just, it's it, like I said, it just it, it hit me of like Jesus is acknowledging it. And he's also instructing us like, yeah. How to th- deal with it. This is what we're going to do. And here's how we work through it. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever, I've never looked at anxiety and what the Bible says about it. Right. You know what I mean? And like one, I've never, it's, it's never like hit me like that. And two, like how to deal with it. Right. Because I feel like it's common practice in today's where like go to your doctor, get your medicine. And while I'm not hating on medicine, cause there's, I mean, right. it's God gives us things and I'm not saying blah, blah, blah anyways, mm-hmm. but I think it's easy to go that route and not look to, to the Bible to figure out right. how do we handle this situation. Right. Sometimes we, sometimes we cut out some of the help that's already been given of us mm-hmm. because we 
have a readily available and oftentimes helpful mm-hmm. uh, solution over here. And thank you, God, for those solutions that exist. But there's a reason why Jesus talked about anxiety here and about worrying things, mm-hmm. worrying about things. One of the things that, and it's because, like what we said, you well, you prepare now for not having food, not because you don't have food now, but it's because you might not have food a year from now. That's why you talk about it now. Okay, so Jesus talks about anxiety so that you could deal with it now so that when anxiety does come or depression does come, you have something to fall back onto. Not that it's like, oh, you already worked on it, so you got nothing to worry about. Your depression is going to fall away soon or your anxiety is going to fall away. No, it's real. But Jesus is given a foundation to be able to work through that upon. And sometimes we take that foundation out, and that sets us up for a more difficult struggle. Very. And it's like, if, if we look to the Bible for some things, mm-hmm. why don't we look to the Bible for all things? Right. And that was, I mean, that was one of those things for me. It's like, yeah, I mean, the doctor, it makes sense. Right. The doctor's good, and they can help me. Mm-hmm. But so is the Bible. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and why don't I go to in it? And mm-hmm. that's like you said, not to discredit, mm-hmm. you know, the doctor. And, but like if I look to the Bible for guidance on marriage or relationships, why don't I also look to the Bible for dealing with anxiety? Ah, science is taking care of it. You know, you I mean, got like, that already like, Yeah. It doesn't work like right. that. It doesn't work like that. No. So Jesus continues and he says, and why are you worrying about your clothes? See the flowers, see how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was, was that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow it's thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what am I going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Yeah. I will never forget meeting, uh, doing the Every Man a Warrior group. And that verse was one of them that we had looked at. And for whatever reason the way Franklin had said that or whatever, it was like that what he just said. Yep. Don't borrow trouble from Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. The way he said it when he, it was like, it was, it was early on when the the pandemic was happening, shutdowns and all that. And it was like, Hmm, what are we going to do? We don't know what's happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be able to meet next week? Right. Are are we going to? And it was like, yep. Right. Don't worry about it. Well, and in that situation where we were, investing in our faith so to me it was why are we gonna worry if we can't meet tomorrow or tomorrow or next week or because what we're doing today and what we're it was like a weekly thing so you'd prepare for the week like we do now so why are we gonna stop preparing if we just plan to prepare and be prepared if we're told we can't meet then exactly we'll zoom or we'll figure something out Mm -hmm. don't borrow trouble from tomorrow (laughs) right that's good man (laughs) it's gonna worry about itself right right Right. and worrying about tomorrow is not the same thing as planning for tomorrow what you just said Jesus isn't saying, don't think about your future at all. He's saying, don't worry about your future. That's a big difference. Like, I have planned for things beyond just today. 
but I hope, and I don't think I am, worrying about those things. I wasn't worrying about today, this podcast yesterday, but I was prepared. And just like now, I'm not worrying about next Friday, but I'll be prepared for next Friday. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that distinction is, is crucial, right? Because just right. like uh, earlier when he's talking about treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. right, like he's not saying it's bad to have a 401k. Right. <laughs> right. Like that would be pretty financially unwise to not have a retirement of some sort established at this point. Yeah, if that's what you're led to do, if that's what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, is to store up money so that you can be prepared later on. And right, good. And right, and so it's not that idea of like, like you said, don't plan. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do when you graduate high school? I don't know. It'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's not what Jesus is. I'll saying. decide tomorrow. Yeah. No. That's not, yeah. I mean, we all have health insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, or most of us have health insurance, hopefully. Fortunately. Yeah. Right. Fortunately. I mean, it's not right. like I'm planning to get in an accident, but it might happen. Things right. happen. Right. And Jesus says, so in verse 33, he says, but, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, all those things will be given to you. So... It's, it's not the same thing as saying, don't think about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. It's focus on the kingdom of God. And in your focusing and living in the kingdom of God, all of those things, eating and drinking and, and wearing clothes, are going to be folded into that. But if you, if you flip it around, just like we saw earlier on where he was talking with the devil and he says, man does not live on bread alone. He says bread alone. He didn't say man doesn't live on bread, but to flip it and to say, actually, man does live on bread alone, then you lose everything. And to say, well, actually, everything depends on what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, then you've lost everything. If you start with the kingdom of God first and then bring these other things to it, Mm -hmm. then I think Jesus is saying that's how it is intended to be set up and lived out. Right. We're, We're not figuring out how we bring our boat into the kingdom. We're figuring out once we get to the kingdom... Are we going to have a boat? And that's, we often do it the other way. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at the Bible the other way like that too. We live our lives and we go, how can I fit my lifestyle into what Jesus says in this particular chapter or Paul or Moses or whoever? Then we're not being conformed. Right. Why don't we say, oh, this is how Jesus says the kingdom of God is ought to be lived. And so does my lifestyle match up to that? That's the uncomfortable question. Mm-hmm. And that's where we either become like Jesus or we make Jesus look like us. And if Jesus starts to look like every 21st century guy or, or girl or whatever, then, then he's not the first century God-man that he was and is. He's right. something else. Right. Something that he was never intended to be. Right. Yep. So are you, are you telling me I don't have to wear my Gucci suit to church anymore? <laughs> I wish that you would. <laughs> <laughs> just do you mind uh, actually wearing that next Sunday? I don't even. I love to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Messing. Is it purple? Is that what it is? Uh, it's like a light blue. Okay, dusty oh, blue. Perfect. <laughs> Tiffany blue. I wore it to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, brings chapter six to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, we have some more to to work through as far as the Sermon on the Mount, but one more chapter. Yeah. Hope you guys come back for for next episode uh, where we dive into to chapter seven and see you next episode. Mm-hmm.